Welcome, everybody, to episode number 46 of the Glass City Game Time Podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. Big news from the Big Ten breaking today on Wednesday as we record this. Football is back in the Big Ten Conference. The chancellors and the presidents given the go-ahead and the blessing with Kevin Warren to go ahead and start the season in late October. And joining me to talk about that is Blade Sports writer and Ohio State beat reporter Kyle Rowland. What's up, Kyle? I know you're busy covering this story all over it. How are you today? Uh, very, very busy. <laughs> well, we'll try to keep this as informative and as brief as we can if we need no, to. But uh, the Council of Presidents and Chancellors met for hours upon hours on Saturday and Sunday. And ultimately, the Return to Competition Task Force presented the plan tweaked the plan, they, they revised the plan, and now here we are on Wednesday, obviously earlier in the week, they finalized everything, and now we know that Big Ten football is going to start back up in late October. The opening day is October 23rd, and it's going to be an eight-game schedule plus one, which we can discuss here momentarily, but Kyle, first off, what's your initial reaction here to the newly voted in Big Ten season? Uh, I think it was the right decision. Um, I don't think they should have canceled in the first place. I think they should have delayed. Uh, it would have saved them a whole lot of bad publicity and just wasted time and arguing and yelling and, and all sorts of stuff. And they could have come to the same conclusion. Um, I mean, this isn't just we're coming back to play. We buckled to the pressure. Here we go. It's, those things, it's, it's, we're coming back. We did buckle to the pressure a little bit, but we have this amazing plan as well. I mean, daily testing, um, if a player tests positive, they're out 21 days. Um, the, the, the daily testing kind of mitigates the major concerns everyone had. Uh, myocarditis being one of the main ones, um, you know, passing this on kind of unknowingly if you're asymptomatic. I mean, it kind of prevents asymptomatic spread and symptomatic spread. Um, a Northwestern doctor was kind of explaining it today and said this testing, this antigen testing, that's like kind of a fancy word, is so good that they can actually, you know, find out that you're positive before it's like to the contagious part, which I, it kind of confused me a little bit. Um, but was basically just explaining, you know, how, you know, vigorous and reliable uh, this testing is and, and how much, I don't know, it'll prevent anything bad from happening that you've seen at some other places. I mean, the SEC, obviously, they haven't started yet, but they've had some issues down there with players spreading the virus. Uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska, I think it was. I forget the third school. That, it, might not be Nebraska, but anyway, it's in my story. Um, they've all, you know, had pauses. Maryland was the other one um, because of outbreaks um, and just the, the strenuousness and reliability of this daily testing is, is basically going to prevent all that. I don't think any games are going to get canceled. Um, it, it's essentially as rock solid as the NFL plan and the NFL plan I think last week they had zero players test positive on Saturday, the day before the Sunday games, and they only had a handful of people test positive throughout the week. So I, uh, I like the chances of a Big Ten season being played. 
of course, we're recording this on September 16th. And going back to when the Big Ten originally canceled, and going back a little bit before that, August 11th, Brady Feeney, a freshman at Indiana, who was COVID positive, came down with myocarditis, developed myocarditis, which is this heart inflammation that we are learning that is becoming a prominent thing in in athletes that catch COVID-19. And Penn State released a study back in August that 30 to 35% of athletes that they studied contracted myocarditis or, or developed myocarditis. That was shortly walked back, if you will, by the university's health department saying, no, that's old study. That wasn't exactly accurate. So even with the science, there's a lot of gray in this. But as you know, and as I know, and as those that are listening knows, ever since this pandemic started in March, everything has been changing by the day. And certainly here we are again on September 16th, nowhere near where we were on August 11th and in the middle of August with testing, knowledge about the virus, with knowledge of spread of the virus. It's all been developing so quickly. So as you said, the hasty move to immediately cancel the season, maybe for the Mid-American Conference, who has a lot of money to lose, that's one thing. But for the Big Ten, who has a lot of money to gain, would be another. So the original thought was, okay, why not just suspend? And to me, the biggest thing that comes out of this is the rapid testing, the antigen testing, contact tracing. And once those questions were resolved, it almost seemed like a no-brainer to come back to play However, with Kevin Warren's own words being, we will never revisit this, it just made it seem like a whole lot more sketchy. Yeah. I mean, the, the messaging from the Big Ten was poor. Uh, the transparency wasn't good. And it, and it just created this, I don't know. I mean, it was just total dysfunction, basically. I mean, if, if they had some answers in the beginning, if they would have delayed, I mean, you, would, you don't have parent protests. You don't have coaches, you know, speaking out against your conference. Uh, some of the opt-outs probably don't happen. Um, I mean, it was just obviously a, a total mess there for five weeks. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Warren, I mean, his statement about not being revisited was, uh, I don't know. I said Kurt in my story. Um, it was just a little, it was smart alecky, whatever. I mean. And then here we are, you know, 28 days later, exactly four weeks, um, and, and they're back. Uh, but I think, I mean, the, their plan, it, it alleviates so many of the fears that they originally had. I mean, myocarditis, which we already talked about, the contact tracing becomes a little irrelevant because if you're testing every day, you're getting these positive tests right away. So you don't have to go back like multiple days and see oh my God, like who were you around the last 48 hours because they're going to be tested every you know, 24 hours or, or less than 24 hours. Um, so there's just so many things. And like the irony in all of it is they now have the best plan in college football. I mean, yeah, they withstood all this just disaster for the past month and being dragged through the mud and being a laughing stock and the butt of all these jokes. Um, but now, I guess at the end of the day, maybe they get a little bit of the last laugh. I mean, I still think Kevin Warren's uh, reputation is pretty much ruined right now. Uh, it's going to take a long time for him to kind of rebuild that and rebuild his trust in all of college football because a lot of the conference commissioners aren't happy with them either. Um, but now they have this great plan that seems like it's probably going to work very well. 
maybe if Kevin Warren worded things differently, he wouldn't have as much of a hill to climb with all of that. Um, you mentioned this in your story that's going to be in Thursday's edition of The Blade about not just contact tracing, but the Big Ten's plan for testing. And you related it to the NFL and what the NFL is doing. And you cited this, August 30th to September 5th, the NFL administered over 44,000 tests to players and team personnel. The positivity rate came back less than one-tenth of a percent. It came back one player and seven staff members tested positive. So eight out of over 44,000 tested positive. And that has to do a lot with not just contact tracing, but also there's that responsibility. And clearly the Big Ten, getting it from all angles, parents, players, coaches, fans, obviously. It, it seems like this is now going to be a more collective effort. But as you said, if Kevin Warren has this hill to climb, it's certainly – he certainly made it worse by the words and the context that he used in the middle of August. Without a doubt. I think if they get through this, I mean, this was such a debacle and such a big story that, I mean, it's just going to be remembered forever. I mean, I think 20 years from now, we'll probably, you know, be talking about, Oh my God, remember when the big 10 had that big disaster or whatever. Um, But I mean, if they get through, like, totally unscathed, I think that definitely helps him a lot. I mean, yeah, there are these other doctors and, and people were, were heavily involved. It's not like Kevin Warren was the one who kind of orchestrated all this. He's just, like, the leader of this organization. Um, or the but I th- if you will. <laughs> yeah, but, but the fact that they came back, they played, and it, you know, potentially could go off with, with minimal issues will – you know, help kind of repair the damage that was done. So I want to just dip the toe in the water on the politics on this because it, it is there and it's very prevalent in some cases. And it was on the forefront of this whole idea of the Big Ten coming back for a little bit. And obviously, President Trump putting his two cents into the whole equation, basically saying, hey, Big Ten, get going. And today on Twitter, Again, Wednesday, as we record this, President Trump mentioned that he had a role in this. And whether it's a political move or whether it's a sports move is, you know, that's to be determined by the person perceiving it, I suppose. But what is the political involvement in the Big Ten actually returning? Or is this more about, okay, they revisited the science. They they saw what's happening with the NFL. They see what's happening in the rest of college football. And now they can make this return safely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the president – I don't know how I'm trying to explain this. Like, I don't think the president is the reason they're back. Um, I think his pressure helped probably. I mean, it has two sides of it because some people then are resistant and say, "Ah, I don't want this to, you know, seem political or whatever. But it just added to everything that was already going on. I mean, you have these parents who are protesting at Big Ten headquarters. You have protests going on on campuses. Jim Harbaugh was a part of a protest. I mean, it just uh, Ryan Day and James Franklin, you know, arguably the two most, I don't know, the, the two best coaches in the conference are speaking out and in pretty harsh terms, tones against the Big Ten. And then also might be a word. Sorry to interrupt. Influential might be a word. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And then you have the president of the United States, you know, get on, on Twitter and his hundreds of millions of followers and, and get involved. So, I mean, 
combined, I mean, I think the president, the pressure kind of added to the situation. But, I mean, he didn't get them the testing. And, and I mean, obviously Ohio State's doctors were involved in it. Jim Borcher is the team physician. He had a big role in all this. Um, so I don't think – like the Big Ten would probably still be playing today if the president hadn't tweeted. Um, but I don't think it was like detrimental that he did tweet, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And you mentioned Ohio State's team physician, Dr. Borchers. It's been pretty much revealed that Ohio State had, I don't want to say the biggest amount of pool in this coming back, but it certainly seems like Ohio State's voice was heard in all this. And I'm talking about the university. I'm talking about Ryan Day. I'm talking about the players. What exactly can, can you reveal about Ohio State's role in the Big Ten coming back? Yeah, I mean, I – I think they were the ringleaders without a doubt. I mean, Ryan Day was the one who first brought up the possibility of, of this daily testing from Abbott Laboratories. Uh, that's the place. And, and it kind of went from there. He talked to a, a congressman about it. Um, that's sort of how the president started to get involved as well. Um, but – I mean, Gene Smith, Ohio State Athletic Director, has been a huge, you know, sounding board throughout this. I mean, he and Barry Alvarez, the AD at uh, Wisconsin, I think were probably the two most influential ADs throughout all this. Penn State, Sandy Barber it was involved. Jim Phillips from Northwestern was involved. Um, I mean, James Franklin from Penn State was a pretty big voice in all of this. Um, I mean, it was just kind of coming from a lot of different places. Jim Harbaugh had some conversations that kind of spearheaded some movement. Um, it was, it, I don't know. It was kind of remarkable, especially the last two weeks, once momentum started going in the positive directions, just to hear kind of what was going on and, and some of the conversations from sources. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it was just such a frenetic pace of things. And I mean, these coaches were obviously very desperate to play, especially Ryan Day. I mean, obviously he's got the most to lose because he's got the best team. Um, but it all just kind of, you know, started going downhill and the optimism came. And I mean, the testing, which we've talked about a lot, was kind of the biggest thing. Um, but I don't know. This is an ever-changing thing as well, like with the virus and – I just think that was another kind of reason why on August 11th, I don't think they had to do what they had to do. Um, I mean, over a month, things change. I mean, if you just go back to March to April and then April to May and then made it, I mean, it just so much changes and, and it was possible that you were going to get this daily testing. So I don't know. It's just a, a crazy situation that I a hundred percent think was avoidable. I mean, I've had this debate with colleagues, with my dad, with just all kinds of people about this because everyone wants to know about the Big Ten. And, like, I know there's a pandemic going on. I know it didn't look good. At the time, there was negative momentum just with the MAC the day before canceling, UConn that week before. Can't, but it just didn't seem like the Big Ten had to make that decision at that moment. It didn't, and it leaves kind of a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths over it. Now, even now that they're back, I mean – Go on social media, pick Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and people in the old basement in the comments section arguing, talking, theorizing, whatever you want to say. People people will speculate for ages, but the truth of the matter is 
if, if Kevin Warren just simply said, okay, we are going to postpone the season and continue to see how this develops, certainly there would be less heat under that. But I want to move away from all of that because now we actually have football to talk about. And we have not just a schedule to go over, at least later in the week, that's expected to be announced. But how exactly is this going to work now? And it's been revealed that the Big Ten is now eligible for the college football playoff because they are going to start the season in time. What do we know about how this season is going to work now that it is shortened? It's going to be an eight-game schedule, eight-game regular season schedule, I guess I should say, with, with a plus one. So the champions of the East and West are going to play on December 19th in the Big Ten championship game as, you know, normal. But then the second-place teams from both divisions are going to play and the third place and fourth place and so on. Um, so not only do we get the Big Ten championship game, but we also get the worst team in the Big Ten championship game, however you want to want to call that. So that'll be entertaining. Um, but – uh, so that'll take place. The, the schedule, according to reports today from a Purdue writer who's, who's got great sources in the Big Ten is, and is right you know, 99% of the time, so I definitely believe his report. The schedule will be off of, based off of the 10-game schedule previously. So on that 10-game schedule, Ohio State had three crossover games. So they're going to play the six – divisional teams they would play, plus three crossover games. That's nine. So they're only playing eight regular season games. So you would think that either Iowa, Illinois, or Nebraska, one of those teams will then now fall off of Ohio State's schedule. Um, the Michigan game, obviously, a bunch of speculation. Where, when, where is that going to fall on the schedule? Logic tells me at this point it's just going to be where it always is. It's just going to be the last game of the season. I mean, maybe not. I still think it would be cool if it was the opener. Um, but we'll see where that happens. But that's kind of where the schedule lies. The one interesting kind of underrated thing, I think, about the Big Ten schedule that maybe could be a shrewd move at the end of the day. We'll see how it all falls out. So there's only four power conference conferences playing um, as of now. Anyhow, maybe the Pac-12 will get in. I doubt it. So, And there's four spots in the playoff. So logic tells you the four champions will make it. So what if Ohio State, you know, goes undefeated? And so they're in. They win the Big Ten title game. But that, the, the, the drop-down thing, so if Penn State is 7-1, and one, they're only lost to Ohio State, and then they play whoever, like Nebraska. And Nebraska also goes 7-1. And in and, and like that second-place game, like does the winner of that also get into the playoff? So, I mean, I think it creates a possibility, a better possibility of the Big Ten having two teams in the playoff, if that makes sense. It makes sense. And I, I was going to ask you about Michigan and Ohio State. I think that would be a, a real spark to the interest, at it, least in college it, football. It was originally scheduled for October 24th, just a little nugget. So My birthday is the 25th. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so, with Ohio State, over the recent days, we learned of two major opt-outs. This is obviously before any kind of season was announced. In Wyatt Davis, offensive lineman, and Sean Wade, a quarterback, two first-round projected picks to the NFL in next year's draft. Is there any word on whether they can be reinstated? It, maybe reinstated is not even the word to use. What's the word on them and the possibility of coming back to play for the team? Well, the, there are reports right now that Wyatt Davis has already said he's coming back. I, I have not confirmed that. Um, 
We'll see. Um, Sean Wade was on SportsCenter today. I, I absolutely believe he's leaning towards coming back. I mean, if you just kind of read the tea leaves, it, I don't know, it just seems that way. He said he hasn't made a decision yet. Um, today is actually his birthday, which is a funny coincidence. Uh, so if they get both of those guys back, I think they're the best team in the country. If they get Wade back, I still think they're, they might be the best team in the country. Uh, Davis is the guy who's less, you know, impactful. Even though, I mean, he's a great player. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's on the offensive line. It's an important position. But when you had your entire secondary, you lost it from last year. And then if you take Wade away from that, and, and then it literally is everyone. I mean, that's just a huge deal, especially if you look forward and, and talk about Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't think you want to go against him in an odd year where you're not going to get the normal amount of practice and reps and everything. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if neither of them opt in, I still think Ohio State's a playoff team. I don't think they're like a national championship favorite anymore. Um, but if Sean Wade on the team, I, I like their chances. And Ohio State's always had depth on the offensive line. There's, there's, I don't know why there's like reckless speculation in my opinion that when an Ohio state lineman graduates or leaves the school, it's like, okay, they got to rebuild it. But every year they just plug another guy in and it works. So I would expect the same along the lines of what you're saying. Um, What details still need to be sifted out other than a schedule and how they're going to restart the season? I guess that would mean a schedule, but what other details still need sifted out with all of this? Yeah. I mean, the schedule obviously is the biggest which I assume it's known right now and they're just not releasing it. Um, I don't know, just like minor things like traveling. Like that, that's one thing I want to figure out. I forgot to ask about that today, but you know, our team's going to be flying to games. Are they going to be busing? Are they going to try to avoid like overnight stays if they don't have to have them? Um, that, I mean, that seems a little unavoidable, but – I don't know. I mean, all these guys in a hotel, I don't know if that is a major issue or not. Um, I mean, I think they did a good job. It was very annoying the last two days waiting and waiting on Monday and Tuesday, um, especially when it seemed like, especially the people that I talked to, that this decision was already made. But I mean, after seeing everything today and how detailed they've been and they had all these people available to talk and they just had so much detail about the medical advancements. I guess I understand it, and I, I'm more forgiving of it. Um, but I definitely cannot wait to see the schedule and kind of analyze that and, and pour over it. Maybe they cut back on some of the travel even. You mentioned one of the outer division games that they have on the schedule. Maybe they just cut, if it's Nebraska, the furthest distance to travel. Maybe it's just that. I mean, we don't know, obviously. But uh, that could be a solution. I'm, I'm sure, like you said, they have it already figured out. They just haven't released it yet. So I guess we'll wait and find out. But it's exciting to know that there's going to be Big Ten football. It's a little, in my personal opinion, it's a little bittersweet because of the myocarditis information, and that's kind of a touchy subject for me, heart ailments and all that. But regardless, we're, we're seeing success with the NFL and testing. We're seeing success in other places with testing and with playing sports and with having even – even a bubble environment or no bubble environment, it's worked in some cases and it hasn't worked in some. So this will be a, uh, you know, time will tell as to whether this is a good idea or not, but certainly the pulse of 
the majority of the fans, I would say 99.9%, and I'm in that 0.1% that's like, well, eh, they're, the fans are excited, and the pulse of the nation is that Big Ten football is back, and I guess we'll see how it goes. Kyle, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's a pretty safe plan. I, I think it'll probably work. I think if it doesn't work, then college football isn't going to work because they've got by far the, the best, you know, most stringent protocols and plans. So we'll see what happens, but it's definitely uh, exciting. I think a lot of us wanted it. Um, I mean, it's difficult to, to kind of go like, I mean, I take this very serious and it's a, it's a major issue in this country. Um, and we all love football too. So it's kind of hard to, I don't know, think with your heart in your head, but I, I think this is a, you know, with thinking with your head kind of kind of situation. I think the Big Ten did a good job. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to see football, that's for sure. And uh, we've seen some college football already, and this just adds more to it. So uh, we'll learn more details throughout the week. We'll learn more details, I'm sure, throughout the, the month here that we have to prep for the season. Obviously, practices are going to resume soon. So a lot, a lot to be decided still. Uh, Kyle, thanks for the time. I know, like you said in the beginning, you're an extremely busy person, and uh, I'll let you get back to your regularly scheduled programming. Thanks a lot, Corey. Yep, you got it, Kyle. Thanks again. And thank you for listening, those at home, for checking us out. This episode number 46 of the Glass City Game Time podcast. Every week you can check us out on ToledoBlade.com on Blade News Slide, and on various podcast outlets, digitally, mobily, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a like rating. We always appreciate that. And please subscribe. Those go a lot further than you might think. So, for Kyle Rowland, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Next week.